and welcome to this month's edition of Mideast Junction with me, Anne-Marie Vassada. For nearly four years now, the civil war in Yemen has raged on with no end in sight. Civilians have fallen victim to the fighting with some 15,000 killed or injured, while a humanitarian crisis continues to spread, threatening to claim more lives. But how did this happen and why? To better understand the nuances of this conflict, we need to look at its political history. Yemen, a country located on the southern tip of the Arabian Peninsula, has often sat in the shadow of its eccentric and very rich neighbor, Saudi Arabia. Unlike its regional neighbors, Yemen does not have a monarchy system in place. Yemen stands out on the Arabian Peninsula for a lot of ways. It's the only country on the peninsula that's not a member of the GCC. It's the only one that's widely underdeveloped. It's the only one that is a republic rather than some form of a, a monarchy. That's Adam Barron, a visiting fellow at the European Council on Foreign Relations and International Security Program fellow at New America in Lebanon. Let's not forget that southern Yemen was once the only Marxist country in the entire Arabian Peninsula. So I think sort of the political path that Yemen has taken has markedly differed from the path that other countries in the peninsula have taken. Did that path include sectarian fighting between Shia and Sunni Muslims, which appears to be one explanation for today's fighting? Nadwa al-Dawari, the Yemen country director with the Center for Civilians and Conflict, explains. This is definitely not a sectarian conflict, although sectarian language have been used by sites of the conflict. So the Yemen conflict has two aspects. Uh, the first aspect is the power struggle among the traditional northern political elites and their patronage. And the other layer of the conflict, which is deeper, is the historic uh, grievances that Yemenis hold against these political elite. Unfortunately, most of the analyses focus only on the power struggle aspect among the political elite. That's the conflict between Hadi's government and the Houthis, or Saleh and the Houthis, or Saleh and his former allies. This conflict is very, very complex. And there's also the southern dimension, which is often kind of, you know, ignored in almost all the interventions that the international community made to try to resolve the conflict. The other problem is its neighbor, Saudi Arabia. For the Saudis, it was very important to keep Yemen danger at bay. So Yemen was a growing democracy, an emerging democracy. It had elections. It had a vibrant civil society. This is all before the war. For the Saudis, that was viewed as a threat because it might inspire demands for freedom and democracy and elections in their countries. Now, before we continue on, we need to understand a bit more of Yemen's history. The 20th century saw major changes for the country. A former province of the Ottoman Empire, South Yemen broke away in 1728, only to be occupied by the British in 1839. North Yemen became independent from the Ottomans in 1918, which was ruled by imams belonging to the Hamid ad-Din family. Eventually, Ahmed Muhammad took over. A dedicated isolationist, he decided his country could either be dependent and rich or poor but free. He opted for the latter, and the country remained with very little modernization, but always with the backing of the Saudis. Frustration at the state of the country soon began to grow. Adam Barron, a visiting fellow at the European Council on Foreign Relations, further explains. 
Saudi Arabia has always wielded an outsized amount of influence over Yemen. And Saudi Arabia has always done what they can to make sure that they have a government in Yemen that is not combative towards the Saudis, whether that's through financial characteristics, political influence, etc. But that soon changed. Pan-Arab nationalists from Egypt fought against Saudi-backed imamat in 1970 in a deadly conflict that pretty much ended in stalemate. The imamat belonged to a religious group called the Zaydiya, which is a branch of Shia Islam. Meanwhile, in the south, Yemeni communists and socialists banded together to push out the British in 1967, thereby establishing the first and only Marxist state in the Arabian Peninsula, which was supported by the USSR and China. Many Marxist supporters from the north fled to the south after the war. The two nations remained separate until 1990 with the fall of communism. The north and the south unified in 1990. After 1990, the northern regime, Saleh's regime, marginalized northern forces and tension increased, leading to the 1994 war. Salah is Ali Abdullah Salah, the former president of North Yemen in 1970 and then of a unified Yemen in 1990. Despite its unification, the old divide of North and South, which is often an extension of sectarian loyalties, increased dissatisfaction with the current state. Before the war, the southern leaders went back to the South, announced secession. Then Saleh forces of the North marched into the South and, and retook Aden by force. And so we see the growing tensions and resentment between the North and South. The problem after the 1994 civil war is that Southern leaders were marginalized. Southerners were marginalized. Their land was basically grabbed by Northern elite uh, linked to the Saleh regime. They were marginalized from key government positions unless they were part of Saleh's patronage. There were a lot of Southerners, but those were Saleh's patronage. They were part of Saleh's patronage. They were not Southern leaders with legitimacy in the South. And then the Southern military officers were forced to retire and the living conditions soared in the South. And so Southerners tried to peacefully organize for equal treatment to become involved in the political process to end the marginalization and the oppression of the South. But uh, their peaceful attempts were met with use of force by the Saleh forces. By 2011, Saleh is forced out of power and we see a new leader. 2011, you have an uprising inspired by the Arab Spring, which installs a transitional order uh, led by Ali Abdullah Saleh's longtime vice president, Abdurrahman Mansour Hadi. Hadi and the transition process failed to address the southern grievances, and so the gap between southerners in general and the central government, or the political elite in the north, got even wider. What started as protests in the south for ending marginalization and fair treatment then turned into demands for secession, which were peaceful at the beginning, and then turned into violence. Which takes us almost to the present civil war in the country. But this civil war is not simple to break down. There are different aspects to it. Due to various tensions, you have the situation where the Houthis, or a Zaydi rebel group that fought six wars against the government before 2011, where the Houthis basically end up controlling more and more of northern Yemen until finally they take control of Sana'a, the capital, on September 21st, 2014. Initially, they try to sort of form a work 
together in some source while obviously exerting their will over the central government, but continue to grow more and more provocative until finally provoking the resignation of both the president uh, and the cabinet. They respond by putting the president and the cabinet under house arrest. President Abdurrahman Shtorahadi flees to Aden, and then as the Houthis come barreling down to consolidate their control over the whole of the country, Hadi flees to Saudi Arabia via Oman, and then the Saudis declare something called Operation Decisive Storm, uh, which is a a Saudi-led military operation aimed at restoring Hadi and the internationally recognized Yemeni government to power. In headlines, you often hear the groups referred to as forces loyal to the internationally recognized government of Hadi and the Houthi rebels. The Houthis are named after their founder, the founder of the movement, Hossein Badreddin al-Houthi, who was killed by Saleh. Uh, forces in 2004. They are referred to as rebels because they picked up arms and fought the government uh, six wars between 2004 and 2010. Many say the war is simply a conflict of the Houthis, who are Zaydis, as mentioned earlier, a branch of Shia Islam against the Sunnis. So historically, Yemen has two major sects, Shafi'i Sunni, Shafi'i, which is a very moderate version of Sunni, and then Zaydi, which is a moderate version of Shia. And Zaydis are known to be the closest Shia to Sunnis. And so that is Zaydism. Uh, however, Houthis are Zaydis, but they have adopted some of the Shia Dwellers' practices over the years. So they are Zaydis, but Zaydis are also an, you know, an element of Shia. With the Houthis being supported by Iran and Hezbollah in Lebanon, and the forces loyal to Hadi supported by the Saudi coalition, the conflict has turned into a proxy war for the region. I think it's both. From one hand, Houthis are Zaydi Shia. So there is that ideological association. Hundreds of Houthis have been trained by Iran and Hezbollah in Lebanon over the past couple decades. Um, at the same time, by helping the Houthis, Iran achieved instability in the southern borders of Saudi Arabia, and that undermines Saudi Arabia, Iran's rival in the region. But if we peel back another layer that is not just the fighting, but the spiraling humanitarian crisis, we see another problem at play that cuts across the North-South Division, as Barron explains. I think a lot of times we all focus on the political aspects, but when you take a step back, what's really what I think is missing is an understanding of the traumatic effect this humanitarian crisis that's sort of burdening in Yemen has had. And what's really intimately connected to this is the economics. You know, you've had, for example, over the past few weeks, the fall of the Yemeni Rial, which has spurred protests in different cities, which itself kind of underlines the extent that the economic and the political is is interlinked. I, I guess I would say that's something that's often left out in a lot of the discourse. The fighting in Yemen has brought about one of the worst humanitarian crises. More people are dying not so much from the fighting, but from the deprivation of access to food and medicine as the Saudi-led coalition imposes sanctions on the Houthi-controlled areas. I think Yemen conflict will come to an end. I mean, that's just the nature of things, right? But it will take a while. It will take some time for that to happen. The problem in the current UN and Western approach to bring peace to Yemen, to end the conflict in Yemen, is that it's trying to find the shortcut. That's all the time we have for this month's edition of Midi's Junction. Special thank you to Alain Bleu for his help in putting together this report. <laughs>